It's the Progress Pod, a production of the Franklin County Coalition for Progress. I'm Pete Mazzoni with Jeremy Kate. The public library is an institution in communities across the country that truly offers something for everyone, including acting as the new space for this very podcast. As was written recently in Humanities Magazine, there aren't many truly public places left in America. Most of our shared spaces require money or a certain social status to access. Malls exist to sell people things. Museums discourage loiterers. Coffee shops expect patrons to purchase a drink or a snack if they want to enjoy the premises. One place, though, remains open to everybody. The public library requires nothing of its visitors. No purchases, no membership fees, and no dress code. You can stay all day and you don't have to buy anything. You don't need money or a library card to access a multitude of on-site resources that include books, e-books, and magazines. On today's show, we are going to talk with Chambersburg's coil-free library director, Jill Yike, and Alice Aliyah, Senior Director of Development for the Franklin County Library System. We're going to talk about the future, the importance, and the health of our library system. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So let's start out by learning about the Franklin County Library System. Yeah, so uh, last year we had over 400,000 people enter our buildings, and we had over just the equal amount uh, checking out books and materials at the libraries. We have five brick-and-mortar buildings, Grove Family Library out in Fayetteville, uh, Coil Free Library, which is our district center, St. Thomas Library, Basor Library in Greencastle, Blue Ridge Summit Library in Blue Ridge Summit, uh, and we also have two book buggies, um, bookmobiles, a uh, bookmobile and a book buggy who... Um, they travel the county. Travel and, the county, yes. <laughs> books. So it sounds like the library system, and that's a big geographic area we're talking mm-hmm. about, all the way from Blue Ridge Summit to Greencastle. Mm-hmm. And we also have a lot of um, partnerships with... Fulton County Library, as well as Alexander Hamilton Library in Waynesboro mm-hmm. as well. So what kind of services uh, do the, does the library system offer? Because in my little bit of research, uh, it's not just about just lending books anymore. Right. Well, and it, it never was about just lending books. I think that libraries and librarians have a hard time with PR. Um, we because you're not the bellicose uh, you know, right. out front people. Um, when you think of a librarian, what is your first? automatic response. The stereotype. Yeah, the stereotype, right? The bookish person. um, And that's something that librarians have really been trying to get away from. Um, We aren't just a repository for Mm -hmm. books. Um, It's really about making sure that our patrons know and our community knows that we are a safe space to find information Mm -hmm. and to um, distribute information. Uh, like yourselves, distributing information to the public. Right, with the mm-hmm. podcast. And so what beyond, obviously, lending mm-hmm. books, what are some of the classes or services mm-hmm. you offer here at COIL? Uh, so we have a lot of 
language classes. That's mm-hmm. our one of our main uh, programs here at COIL. Um, we have a Spanish class, a ESL class or ELL class. Uh, we have a German class and a French class. Um, Great. And also on top of those, we have Mango Languages, which is an online learning database that you can use your smartphone, use your computer, mm-hmm. um, and 24-7 be learning languages. We have movies coming up, which is uh, my favorite. Uh, we have an 47-seat auditorium uh, on Thursday that night. That we're in right now, Yes, right? that we're mm-hmm. in right now. <laughs> we have uh, Thursday night uh, movies. Um, our third Thursday documentary will be American Factory. Um, the week after that is Downton Abbey. And then the week after that is The Goldfinch, mm-hmm. uh, which I think won the Pulitzer Prize for the Book. The book was amazing. Uh, yes. I haven't seen <laughs> yes. the film, but um, uh, the book's amazing. Mm-hmm. So what is it that people don't know about the library that they need to know? Well, I think, uh, as you said in your introduction, that it is a safe place that you can come and, while not loiter, um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we do discourage loitering, um, it's a safe place for you to come and be, uh, be whoever you want to be, learn whatever you want to learn, um, and really interact with with your other community members. Um, I think the article that you mentioned had said that civic um, participation and engagement is down. You know, you see that you, our civic organizations aren't getting the membership. But we really want to, as a library, say, hey, here we are. We're, we're open for meetings. We're open for uh, lectures. Mm-hmm. And we really want to be a place where people are having conversations that matter. Mm-hmm. I, I also want to add, I think one thing that people know about libraries is that they have a lot of children's programs. Yeah. That's something that everybody's aware of. They take their kids to story time. And then I think people kind of forget that the library is there when mm-hmm. their kids grow up. Um, I know I was a little guilty of that myself. Um, When I went to work for the library, I was kind of reminded of how amazing it is as an adult without coming just for story time. Um, One of the things I love checking out at the library is cookbooks. Um, It's I enjoy cooking and cookbooks are expensive. And sometimes you buy one and there's only one thing you like in it. But you can check them out at the library, which we have a huge collection of cookbooks throughout the library system. Um, and then if you actually really like it and you like the whole thing, you can purchase it or just keep checking it out. And I, I think the, the number of adult programs, like Jill mentioned, the language programs, our other branches have other amazing programs going on. Some of them are arts programs. Uh, there are, I think, guitar lessons also. Um, at one of our branches, at least, you can check out ukuleles. I mean, there's what? There, yes, <laughs> there, there's just like cool stuff happening yeah. that I think people don't know about. So, in addition to the fact that there's this amazing resource of really brilliant people who are working in the libraries who want to help you get in touch with whatever information you're looking for, all of the all of the resources are there, too. Do you think the Internet has kind of robbed the library of a certain population? Because rather than go to the library to that research, you just put your query into Google? 
Yeah, so Google is a great resource, and um, as librarians, we want to make sure that people are evaluating resources that they're using on a daily basis. But also, we really haven't seen a drop in our numbers in terms of reference questions. Mm -hmm. There's always a certain population that doesn't have access to the internet, doesn't have access to Wi-Fi, and doesn't have the ability to pay for materials themselves. Um, you know, we we have probably lost the uh, a little bit of the population that can afford to uh, purchase items on their own, mm-hmm. have that Wi-Fi that, that they can answer any question known to man. Um, but really what we need to do is to tell patrons and to tell our community that uh, we have all of these resources available for free. Um, we have access to Power Library, which is a great statewide database that has access to Um, different magazines, newspapers, articles for students who are doing research or um, just your regular patron who's looking for health information. And what's that called again? Power Library. Okay. Uh, And what's the mm -hmm. URL for that? Uh, Powerlibrary.org. Nice. Mm -hmm. We also uh, take part in Ask Here PA, which is an online reference center, our reference service. Uh, So you type in your reference question and uh, a live librarian will go ahead and answer it at that moment. We staff that two hours a week here. Uh, We hope to do more in the future. So you've moved into the digital space Mm -hmm. fully. Yes. And as well as there's ebooks, am I correct? Correct, yes. So uh, if you are, if you do have your Kindle, if you do have a Nook or whatever device, uh, your iPad or iPhone, uh, you can download the Libby app and uh, check out books for free. And you don't have to pay that subscription fee to um, your streaming services, for example, Audible, if you wouldn't want to. Mm-hmm. How many books is that? You, know. I, <laughs> you can just throw out a number. No one's going to challenge you. I want to say 6,000. That sounds about right. Yes. I, we have. And we just added mm-hmm. a lot at the end of the right. year, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's constantly growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So different libraries subscribe to different levels of the system? Is that how it works? Or? They just have a certain number of ebooks or downloadable audiobooks that they That they've have, acquired they, themselves. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Right. So, it, it's it's by your budget. It's not like, oh, you have access to all of the ebooks. So you, you have a budget and you purchase items. We yeah. focus on bestsellers and newer items so mm-hmm. that we have an extra copy of them. In the yeah. System. How does the uh, <clears throat> acquisition of new books work? Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of books out there. Right. So uh, we have a collection development policy that we we really um, focus on. We have different librarians throughout the system uh, curating your collection based on the population it serves. Mm-hmm. So your popu- your your collection at Basor Library in Greencastle might look a little different than the collection here at Coil Free Air District Center. Um, we have a budget. Uh, we have to spend 12% of our yearly budget on uh, books and magazines. Uh, so we 
are constantly looking at trade magazines, bestseller lists, um, podcasts, and websites that really let us know what patrons want and need. Mm-hmm. Now, talking, you brought up budgets, mm-hmm. and I know that's a big issue. Um, now, we're in a completely renovated building, beautifully renovated building. Talk about, uh, were either of you participating in getting the funding going? And if you were, how did that work? Well, I... <laughs> so yes. Jill has been with the library system a lot longer years. than I have been. Okay, years. So it's been 12 years for mm-hmm. her and about four for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about three years ago, mm-hmm. I moved into the role of helping with development for the library. Um, when I first came into that role, I worked with Mark Story, who was the director, um, and then he has since gone to work for another nonprofit, mm-hmm. and, and I have taken over that lead role. Um, this building is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I it am really the, is. I am the third person in this role, however, mm-hmm. so there, there was a lot of transition along the way mm-hmm. um, as far as fundraising goes for this building. Um, I think libraries are something that people all, or most people, see the value of. Um, primarily, our funding for the library system comes from a county tax. Oh, so, okay. so over half of our budget comes directly from a dedicated library tax that's on your county tax bill. And it is a very small portion of people's taxes that they pay as property owners. Um We also receive funding from the state. So at some point, the state was actually the largest funder of the of the Franklin County Library System. But I two thousand and eight two thousand and eight they cut our funding and and actually library funding across the state. So it went from I think it was around eight hundred thousand dollars a year to around five hundred. So it. That was a huge cut yeah. to our budget. Um, at that point, our county commissioners then kind of had to step in, which I think they've had to do for many areas where the state cuts funding. Um, and then you see your county tax go up to help pay for services that are being cut by the state. So uh, we are a county library system, and we do receive most of our funding from them. I would say about a quarter of our funding comes from the state at this point, Mm -hmm. and the rest of it comes from local donations and trusts that we have. So we are reliant on our community members to support us financially. We have an annual appeal that we send out, um, and it's it doesn't happen just once, and it's not like NPR where we have, you know, like the one week of the fun drive. Right. Um, we could do that here on the podcast. Could. We could. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it kind of goes on all the time. So you never miss your opportunity to give to the yeah, annual to appeal donate. for the library. Um, there was a fundraising campaign for this renovation. Where are you with the, with that? Um, yes. Yeah, so we had, um, it was a $2.5 million campaign um, that we were hoping to get from the community. And we are at uh, two point. It's over two point one million. Okay. Um, so not too far off. No, not too far off. It has gone very well. Um, and there are there are people who have pledges who are still paying on those pledges. We are happy to take more donations from people who are willing to help us get to the two and a half million dollars. Um, 
we have ongoing fundraisers, things like the New Year's Eve event that just happened here. Um, this was the second year of the New Year's Eve event at COIL, and uh, it has been a it's proven to be a successful fundraiser for the library. It's a lot of work <laughs> um, because the library closes and it is an event that is held throughout this library. It's on all four floors. Wow. It is a huge event um, and a big undertaking, which we couldn't do without some amazing volunteers who put in hours upon hours, but it, it helps us kind of reach that goal. Where does someone go if they want to make a donation? They can go to any of their libraries or they can go to fclspa.org. Um, right on that page, there's a link to donate. Um, they can donate online to the library system. If they want to make a donation specifically to COIL, um, they can certainly come in here, and Jill would be happy to talk Take to your them. Money. <laughs> um, they can call me or contact me at the library, and um, we would really greatly appreciate that. Sure. We also at Coil, we still have. So I don't know if anybody's seen the pavers that are outside. Mm-hmm. That was a fundraising effort that kind of started early on, but we've continued it. So at this point, we. They aren't coming in as quickly, so we pretty much do one batch of pavers a year. Uh, but those are always ongoing. It's two hundred and fifty dollars for a paver, and you can have it say, you know, whatever you'd like. Basically, there are people who have quotes. There are people who have family members' names. There's one donor who donated last year, and she made one for Martin Luther King Jr. So mm-hmm. I, I think you know. Uh, anything you want to honor or memorialize, you can do that with a yeah, I saw one quote. that was a quote from Harry Potter. Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> that was hilarious. So you mentioned earlier, Jill, about the library being a safe space. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some challenges that are presented there. And, you know, without getting too far into this, the population, I think we know what we're talking about, people, the homeless who come in and they need a warm place. How do you address that? Well, um... I think the first way to do that is with our mission and vision and, and, and values, which we we indicate that the library is, an, a, again, a safe and welcoming place for all Franklin County um, residents. And, yes, there has been uh, some instances and some uh, concern from our community about uh, our patrons, but I think that when we open in the morning, our librarians want to make sure that all of our patrons who are coming in that day are safe and getting the information that they need, Mm -hmm. but also following policy. Uh, We have clear policy and protocol for when things go wrong, and we make sure to involve our downtown community and our police department if something's going wrong um, in uh, on any given day. Right. So <laughs> you want to make, make sure everybody's mm-hmm. safe when they come to the library, right? And, including the homeless population. And, and making sure that our homeless population understands what we need from them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of, it's actually a very contested um, policy in the library world, uh, sleeping in the library. Uh, And we try to make sure that our patrons aren't sleeping. Um, And if you go to any library, you know, some librarians want their, their patrons to be able to sleep. But we've noticed that 
we want to make sure that they're healthy too. So if you're sleeping, I'm not sure if you're you're alive or dead. So I want to make sure that you are healthy and well well looked after. We had a patron who was having respiratory issues. I would have assumed he was asleep if I hadn't woken him up. I wouldn't have known that he needed medical attention. We had to call the ambulance in and make sure that he got back. So, so there is an mm-hmm. aspect of social work. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's switch topics. Let's talk about this space that we're in right now. Uh, what are some of your favorite places in this building? Because mm-hmm. it has some amazing places. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I love coming to work every morning. Uh, we have a fantastic rooftop garden, which you can go and enjoy uh, the sunshine, your book, and maybe a coffee from our micro market. And that rooftop space is amazing. It's right. one of the most amazing spaces in downtown Chambersburg. Mm-hmm. It is. Yes, and it, there is also a meeting room uh, next to that, uh, which has gorgeous windows and lighting, and that sits 54 people. We've had weddings, we've had um, baby showers, uh, lectures again. You know what's nice about this renovation mm-hmm. and this building is I think it's part and parcel with what's happening in downtown in general. There's more reasons than ever to come downtown. I think this is one of the biggest ones, personally, as a reader. Um, but, you know, and that, that rooftop space is beautiful. Uh, the second story with the open. And what is in that open atrium on the inside of the wall there? Oh, it's typeface. Typeface, yes. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's uh, sound reducing, but it, it is typeface. So. Very mm-hmm. interesting. What are some of the programs you're most proud of? Well, we, uh, we've recently had a job fair. Um, we've had two job fairs to help local community members get uh, employment and employers get uh, employees. Uh, we've had eight or, I would say, between eight and 16 employers come and uh, spend the day with our patrons getting resumes and things like that. We also have our pickin' parties, which is a bi-monthly um, musical gathering, I guess you would say. Oh, a little um, concert? Yeah, a little... Um, but like ad hoc. Ad hoc. Bring your instrument bring your and instrument play. And oh, play. jam yes. session. Jam session, there gotcha. we go. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I think also, I, Jill alluded to some of the partnerships um, that we have with other groups in town and other organizations. And to me, I think that talks about how important community, community is. Community, yeah. And, and I think one of the things that the library is doing fantastically, especially here in downtown Chambersburg, is connecting people with each other. So mm-hmm. I think in the past few years, there have been quite a few groups pop up in town that are trying to connect people to one another. And many of those groups meet here. So... Um, racial rec- exactly. Racial, re- racial reconciliation, reconciliation meets here every um, month. The reentry program, mm-hmm. Communities Uniting, uh, You Belong. We had Smart Recovery here for a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which was really uh, an exciting thing. Well, the building offers multiple different rooms mm-hmm. that people can lease out, I guess, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, we also had, this year, it was the first time we had partnered with Wilson College, and they have a a lecture series. Mm-hmm. It's called the Or Forum. It mm. used to only be at held on campus. And this year they kind of, uh, they tried something new and they had three of their speakers come speak at Coil in the evening. Um, so it was, it was a nice 
opportunity mm-hmm. for us mm-hmm. to be able to host some speakers that they brought in. Yeah. Um, and it was also nice for them to have some of their students come see what else is come downtown. Into town, right. Yeah, well, so, it's a short walk. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it was a nice... I don't know, entree into a, a further relationship. Well, partnership, there. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What are some of the challenges that you face beyond money? Um, again, I, I guess I go back to PR and our image and making sure that people understand that it's not just about books. Right. Um, I, when I first started here 12 years ago, I was a reference librarian, and we every day someone would ask, are you – are you a student? Are you a volunteer? Well, what's it like to be able to read all day? And really, I, I don't sit down <laughs> half the time. When right. I, well, you have a job to do. Yes, <laughs> we have a job to do, and and making sure that um, that people know that we're here if if they need help with uh, their job applications. There are so many people who, um, when we talk about you know the internet and what it means. There is a generation of people who don't quite understand that you don't go to a brick and mortar store and say, hey, can I fill out an application for a job anymore? Mm -hmm. And um, I've spent um, oodles of hours just sitting, making sure people have emails and they understand how to open their email. So if someone... (laughs) Uh, someone replies to that email. Um, so I think it's really important to know that we have reference librarians here who are not just getting you that latest uh, bestseller, but are who also um, can help you find um, shelter for the evening or help get you a or job. help get get you a job or help you learn how to use that computer that is preventing you from yeah that literacy is kind Mm -hmm. of assumed in our culture right you Mm -hmm. know of course everyone knows how to open an Mm -hmm. email well no not everyone does Mm -hmm. well and i think um in particular when i first started with the library i worked at basor library in greencastle and jill was there also so that's where we first met one another but um I just remember one day there was a gentleman who came in and he was a farmer and he had never used a computer. And one of the things he did was order seeds for other farmers. Um, And he'd always done that um, on paper or by the telephone. And the system had changed. So he was a person who didn't have internet in his home or a computer at home. And so for a while, someone at the seed company allowed him to call her and she would put it in for him. And then at some point they said, we can't do that anymore. Well, now he had to be in his 70s and he gets his very first computer and he has no idea how to use it and he doesn't have Wi-Fi and he is not off of his farm until the evening. So... He came in and I talked to he and his wife about how to use a computer, how to set up an email address, how not to answer things that are spam, and then what is spam, and right. you know it all spirals into that. And then the fact that now the library is closed in the evening when he needs to put in his seat order. But fortunately, at Basor, there's an outside courtyard that the Wi-Fi reaches to. So I, I think there are all of these things that libraries do for people that 
I I wish everybody knew about. And right. I think that's part of it. Here's a big one. Genealogy services. Yes. That's a popular thing right now, mm-hmm. especially. And you guys offer that and access to Ancestry.com, yep. don't you? Mm-hmm. We have Ancestry.com as well as FamilySearch.com. And we have access to obituaries from 1903 and a little bit before, but mm-hmm. the... Our microfilm is a little spotty before that. Microfilm. Um, yes. <laughs> old enough to remember. Uh, and we, yeah, we, well, you say old enough to remember, but we still get uh, patrons who need to use it and we'll order it in through interlibrary loan services. Um, we have access to all of Pennsylvania library materials mm-hmm. through our interlibrary loan service. So if we don't have something here, we can we can contact Philadelphia Free Library or Williamsport or Pittsburgh. I think the idea of librarian should be updated to professional librarian because it's it's a job that requires a skill set. You know, I think that assumption like you asked earlier, what's your you know, your stereotype is that it's the basic one. <laughs> But it doesn't include the fact that, you know, you work up to a professional grade where you can provide services that are unique to a librarian. Mm-hmm. And maybe that should be part of your PR, you right. know? Well, and I and, think, I mean, I'll mm-hmm. speak to Jill and every librarian mm-hmm. I've known. So my aunt was a librarian, and she was one of the most technologically savvy and advanced people I knew growing up. Um, I think library school has always been on the cutting edge of technology. That's Mm -hmm. something that has always been a part of that education. And so I think that's something where people are assuming that it's just books. Well, no. I mean, anybody who's gone through library school has a lot of technical and computer and internet knowledge. Sure. Well, let me bring something up from a Pew study describing libraries as, quote, early warning systems for broad cultural phenomena, such as the thirst to experiment with new technology, desire to broaden access to good information and social services. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, does that pretty much describe what's going on here? I think so. I think we're really trying to be a a space for people, not just, you know, again, the repository of items, but we have um, our 24-7 databases. We have our ukuleles. <laughs> we have um, meeting room space where you can come in and bring your, equi- your own equipment. Uh, we are trying to branch out into um, what libraries call maker spaces, which mm-hmm. um, has have audiovisual um and even, you know, sewing machines mm-hmm. and um, basic resources that people need. We have a couple of um, toolkits, like hammer and nails, mm-hmm. that you can check out of the library. Um, okay. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. you know. I, I would also say in talking about spaces, I mean, the nice thing about our library system is that we have five different buildings that are – very different. And so if you come to Coil and it doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. to you, you can go try another one. And the people who go to Blue Ridge Summit Library love it. um, And it is exactly what they need. But some people who live in Blue Ridge Summit might want to come here Here, because this feels Mm -hmm. like what they want their library to look like. And Mm -hmm. so 
I think if you went to one and you didn't really like it, you could try another one and see what it's going to be like because the personality of the of the collection, as Jill mm-hmm. mentioned, the personality of the employees, the people who are there, it's all a little different. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something for everybody, but you maybe just ha- have to check it out. And back to what Jill had mentioned about the collection. So the collection at Coil is different because Jill is the librarian here and she's keeping it current with what her patrons need. But every book in the library system is accessible to anybody who has a Franklin County Library System card. Right. So, you can go to Blue Ridge Summit and get a book at Coil. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I, even though in the building the collections may look specific to what that librarian uh, determines is right for the population there, you can get a book from anywhere. So I think looking on the website and searching the online catalog – can get you almost any book you might desire. If not, you go in and you ask your librarian for an interlibrary loan and they can get that for you. And I think that's the other thing that people maybe don't utilize is the person at the library. So if someone comes in, I know I have heard because we sometimes hear complaints from people, Mm -hmm. you know, some people will come in coil and they'll say it's too loud and I can't study here. Um, There is a space in this library in which you can study and someone will find it for you. And I I think, you know, there are rooms that we have that are, you can close the door and you can find your spot there. I think there are people, if that beautiful conservatory terrace room isn't being used, maybe you can go there. I mean, I I think there are, there are spots. You just need to utilize that, the people who are working there Mm -hmm. and they would go above and beyond to help you find whatever you're looking for. Mm Well, and really, like, um, I've been doing our story time hours since our our children's librarian has been on maternity leave. And I have moms who come in and say, oh, I was at Grove Family Library story time and they're doing this. Or I was at Basor Library story time and doing that. So we have mo- we have people that may use the different libraries, but we also have people that use all all of our libraries, um, which is, well, I think, really special. Utilizing different resources mm-hmm. with different buildings mm-hmm. and different programs. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are the hours of Coil Library? Uh, we are open 9 to 8.30, Monday through Friday, and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. I I personally wish we had Sunday hours, but... Is there a reason don't have Sunday hours? Uh, we had tried it in the past, and nobody we showed nobody showed up. So, mm-hmm. All right. I want to thank you both for coming on the show, but I have one final question, and this is the most important question of all. Favorite book of 2019 that didn't have to be written in 2019? (laughs) I'll start it off, The Goldfinch. Educated by Tara Westover. I cannot say enough about that book. (laughs) Is that that's nonfiction? Nonfiction. It's a memoir. Best book I've almost ever read. (laughs) Wow, that's saying something. Yeah. All right, Alice, you're up. Oh, my gosh. Um, Okay, so we just actually listened to the audio book version of Born a Crime by Trevor Noah, and maybe because it was the most recent thing I've read (laughs) (laughs) or listened to. That that was my answer. That is going to be what I say. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think, yeah, there were so many great books. Was it funny? Because he's funny. It is funny. It's also poignant, and there's it is a little sad, and it's eye opening. So sure, mm-hmm. crime in progress. 
crime in progress. Oh, <laughs> look forward in the non nonfiction non-fiction. section. <laughs> well, we know what that's about. And I guess I have one last thing: ebook or physical book. I actually audiobooks. Um, I have no time to actually sit down with a book, so <laughs> yeah, you're you're on the move. On what the about move. you? I I do both, but I tend to like the ebook because. I read on a Kindle Paperwhite, and yeah, it, I can't deal with you people. It, it <laughs> turns off when I fall asleep on it at night. <laughs> now, physical book all the way. Yeah, I've, I've gone that way too. Yeah. I tried the eBooks for a while, and then got to go back. Yeah. I'll tell yeah. you. Can I say one thing? So sure. I just read this article that I shared on the uh, Franklin County Library System Facebook page, and it was about going green. And so the article was about what's greener: is it paper books or is it eBooks? And it actually kind of, I'll spoil it for you, but it breaks down to, they said the greenest thing is the library. (laughs) (laughs) Because actually it goes to many, many people. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you both so much for allowing us this space and for coming on the program today. And we'll pass it off to Jeremy. Just find us online at progresspod.org or send us an email to progresspod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.